What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Very good. All right. Anybody excited for a Sunday? Thank you. I have one person that's excited for a Sunday. You can flip those lights off. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Uh, today, oh wait, before I get into that, I did want to share last week some things to celebrate. So if you weren't here last week and you don't know what happened, uh, God was moving and did some incredibly awesome things that we got to participate in and be a part of. Uh, obviously, if you were here, you know, the room was full, the energy was good. But most importantly, uh, we did have seven people marked down that they wanted to follow Jesus for the first time. So praise God. Uh, yes, we had uh, 14 more who expressed interest in following Jesus and wanted to learn more about it. Uh, and so all that on top of all the work that God was doing in our hearts uh, individually. So just be encouraged. If you are here last week. Uh, God kicked this thing off with a bang, uh, and hopefully that's just a sign of some of the things that are to come. Super excited about that. So even as you remember this week, maybe just be praying for those that had a spiritual transformation last week that was very significant. If they come to mind, uh, just ask the Lord to really establish that, to bring it to pass. Uh, today, we're going to be continually in our core value series. So we have seven weeks as we kick this thing off, as we say, who are we as a church? What are we about? What do we believe? And what are we really about with the Lord? What does the Lord have for this particular church in this time? So that's what we're going through. Last week, we talked about how we're all about Jesus. Jesus is our priority. Jesus is our message. Today, uh, the sermon is we are dependent on prayer. This is core value number two. We are dependent on prayer. This is super important as we continually talk about wanting to make a difference in the world, wanting to be different, wanting to really see the Lord move and work. Last week, we took a pause. And we looked at Mary and Martha, we looked at Psalm 27.4, we looked at some of those things and we said, hey, first and foremost, the most important thing is to love and follow Jesus. More important than anything we could ever do, we want to know Jesus. This is what we're all about. This is number one. It's our core value number one. We're all about Jesus. He's our priority. Knowing and loving him is more important than even getting things done for him. So we prioritize that. We say, yeah, let's go change the world. Screw it. Hold up a second. Let's remember Jesus is our one thing. Today, in the same way, let's change the world together. Let's do something significant. Let's body and soul ministry. Let's help people. Let's do that for the Lord. But we're going to do it through prayer. If we want to see something happen, we're going to do it through prayer. Prayer is the engine of ministry. Prayer is what's going to accomplish the mission. If we want to push back darkness, we're going to do it through prayer, not performance. If we're going to put, thank you, we have an amen. Remember, I might need to remind you, uh, we said this last week, don't spectate, participate. All right? I'm just going to, man, y'all going to get used to this, I'm telling you. Don't spectate, participate. This is very important for us as we gather as a church because this is a participatory time. This is not, yo, let me listen to a guy talk for 40 minutes. No, this is let's engage with one another. Let's give the Lord praise when it seems right and good. Whatever the Lord's doing in your heart, express that, obviously, in an orderly way. But let's do that together. Let's participate. Don't spectate, participate. Sometimes I'm going to tell you to turn to your neighbor. You're going to do that. Sometimes we're just going to get out of our little box, you know, where we're used to sitting in there, and we're going to break out of that, and I'm going to help you do that. And those of you who are in the room, like we said last week, that are more used to that, and y'all lead the way, all right? Let's be what we want to see. But let's do that together. We're not going to spectate. We're going to participate. The idea being that not only is that important for sermons, but that's important just for the whole church. Every aspect of the church should be participatory. That's what we want to do and be about. So don't spectate, participate. If you feel the Lord leading, say amen. If you want to say whatever, give the Lord praise. Let's do that together. All right? Y'all ready? You loosened up enough for that? We need to do this or something? Everybody did that. All right. All right. Uh, we're here to meet with God today. Amen? Amen. All right. We're not here just to go through the motions. 
No, I don't want to do that. No, sir. I'm here to meet with the Lord, and I hope you are too. And God, when he intervenes, it's felt. It's known. It's experienced. And it's not something we just say, oh, you know. So we're going to engage. We're going to engage. We're going to engage. Don't spectate. Participate. Don't spectate. Participate. So the text for our day today is Colossians 4, verse 2. It's very simple. It says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I'm going to read a couple more versions because I like the way some of them lay it out. That's the ESV. Another version, the NLT, says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. The NIV says, Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. The idea being, at the very basic level, that this is something we give our whole selves to as a church. So something we do together. It's not just something the pastors and the staff or the leaders do. It's something we all as a church give ourselves to. We continue steadfastly in prayer. We devote ourselves to prayer. Like a little infant with his mom, we are dependent on God to move. We do not assume that because we have people or resources or lights or whatever, that that equates to difference making. That's not true. We need the Lord to move. We need to be dependent. And so we're a people of prayer. Our prayer shows our dependency on the Lord to say we are relying on you to do something significant. We're not relying on ourselves. And we all need to have that aspect together. So I'm going to read through real quick the, the summary we have online for this just to give you the overview. And then we're going to talk about two specific things in regards to prayer. And even as I was preparing this, I was like, man, there's like so many things I want to talk about with prayer and what that looks like. Uh, and I just felt really like, man, I think we need to have some sort of prayer series, prayer intensive. I don't know. There's just a lot to talk about that we need to know, that we need to be on board with, that you can't cover in 30 minutes in a sermon. So I'm going to give you a little bit, all right? And this is just like one billionth, the one little bit millionth of what God has to say about prayer. So this is not all consuming, and I really feel led that we need to spend some specific time teaching through this. We'll see how the Lord leads us in that. It's super important. So core value number two, this is what it says to summary-wise. Being devoted to prayer is evidence that Jesus is our one thing. It's evidence that Jesus is our one thing. It's the primary way we speak to and hear from him. Through his death and resurrection, he has given us access to God, so we boldly and eagerly approach the throne. We are excited to do this. Prayer is the engine of ministry. It is the means by which anything is accomplished in the mission of God. Prayer, biblically, was one of the four primary disciplines for the early church. If we want to see God do what he did in Acts, prayer has to be an essential ingredient of our life together. Prayer is the engine of ministry. Paul teaches us to pray without, uh, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, Ephesians 6. Jesus himself prioritized prayer on his life on earth. He, he gave extended time to speak with the Father, Luke 6, 12. He taught his disciples to pray and not lose heart, Luke 18. We never want it to be the case that we have not because we ask not, James 4, 2. We will ask, we will ask, we will ask. We believe, this is important, that prayer has supernatural power. James 5, 16, 17, and 18 give us a picture of Elijah. We're going to talk about that, where we expect big things in prayer. We really believe God hears, that God responds. We are a people who prioritize prayer. In the midst of a culture who prioritizes whiteboards, planning, strategies, and execution, we prioritize prayer. Prayer is what we are all about. Not to say we won't do those things, of course. We will do those things. Hopefully we will execute at a high level. But we will prioritize prayer. So two quick things today, and then we'll be, we'll be done. These two things, you can write them down. We're going to focus on, number one, the pathway to presence. 
Prayer is the pathway to presence. Number two, we're going to focus on the power of persistence. So the pathway to presence and the power of persistence. These are two categories we're going to use to discuss prayer today, even though there's a hundred thousand more things to say. So the first thing, the pathway to presence. This is important for you to write down. Prayer is a primary pathway to the presence of God. It is provided by the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the connection from last week. Core value number one. Jesus is our one thing. We are all about Jesus. We want to love Jesus. We want to grow in our love for Jesus. Well, prayer is a way to say yes and amen to that. Prayer is the pathway to Jesus. If you want to get to Jesus, if you want to get to his presence, if you want to experience more of Jesus in your life, prayer is a, if not the, primary pathway to experience the presence of God. If we want to be a people who value the presence of God, we must be a people who pray. To not pray is to say with our life, I don't value the Lord. I don't value his presence. Prayer is the primary pathway. So this is why it's important, because so many times prayer takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of effort. We get tired and we give up. But it's different motivation when you're not doing something because it's right, but you're doing something because it's enjoyable. Because being with God is enjoyable, because he is our delight and our treasure. The greatest thing about prayer is that it gives access. Prayer gives access. Think about it uh, this way. I don't fly enough to get any special treatment on planes. But uh, a few years ago, I remember flying with a friend of mine who flies all the time. And I'll never forget, man, this dude just had the, the card everywhere he needed to go. He was the it guy. Everything was just open to him. The special room at the airport where, you know, the VI people can go in. It was like super nice in there. I was like, man, I don't live bougie like this. I don't understand this kind of life. This is amazing. Everywhere we would go, we would get on the plane first. And it wasn't because I had access. It was because I was with someone who gave me access. And I was able to enjoy it. No one, no one said, Nate, you have to follow that guy around. It's good for you. It's the right thing to do, Nate. You should be with that guy. You should do what he does. You should train yourself to follow him around because it will be good for you. No, following him gave me access. It gave me access to things that were good, to things that I would enjoy. So in the same way, Jesus, through prayer, we get access to God, something that we enjoy. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. If we do not have a high priest, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Get this, let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So because Jesus has died and risen again, now people who because of our sin don't have access to God, through faith in Jesus, have been, been, been given access to God. And now we can go to the Lord and be with him and get mercy and grace when we need it. And to not pray is to say, I don't need God's mercy and grace. It's to dismiss the access that we have. Prayer is access to the greatest value, the greatest treasure in the world. So prayer is a primary pathway to the presence of God. If Jesus is our one thing, we must be a people who pray. The second thing about this is prayer is positioning ourselves to experience everything Christ is and does. This is important. Prayer is positioning ourselves 
to experience everything Christ is and does. Let me give you a scripture to help think this through. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what are the steps here? Pray, experience Christ, who is your peace. If you pray, you position yourself to experience the benefits of Jesus. Prayer is deeply connected to positioning ourselves to experience everything Christ is and does. If we enjoy the peace, the purpose, the mercy, the grace, the kindness, the love, the presence of Christ Jesus, prayer is a way for us to just get under it and say, yeah, pour it out. Pour it out for me. I'm positioning myself to receive it. And so often, we talked about this last week with the waterfall. This is so important. We look at the waterfall. We can say all the truths about the waterfall. We can tell you how good it feels and all that. But we're always pointing people over there. And the idea, Christianity-wise, is come in here with me. I'm under the waterfall. I have positioned myself to experience the blessing of the Lord. And I'm inviting other people into it. As opposed to saying, hey, go look over there. It's really good. So prayer is a way for us to position ourselves to receive everything Christ is and does. The third thing is that the priority of prayer is worship. The priority of prayer is worship. The first and most important thing about prayer is that it's an act of worship. Look in Matthew 6, 9-13 through 13, when Jesus taught us to pray. He says, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the starting point here is, when I pray, I say, Lord, hallowed be your name. It's worship. And the priority of our prayer should be worship. This is when we know we're beginning to access everything God is and does for us. When we go to the Lord, and before we ask for anything, we give Him praise. We recognize who He is. The priority of prayer is worship. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And so prayer is the ticket, and Jesus is the main attraction. Prayer is the ticket, and Jesus is the main attraction. I love how this verse lays itself out. We learn a couple things. Number one being that when worship is the starting point, understanding and living according to the will of God is the result. So we say, I want to know the will of God. I want to live according to the will of God. I want to follow God. What do I do? And the Bible says, start with worship. Right? Hallowed be your name. Now your kingdom come, your will be done. Now lead and guide me. Give me what I need. All these different things. Lead me not into temptation. But the starting point is worship. When prayer is a pursuit of His presence, it also provides clarity of His will. So when we pray to pursue His presence, the byproduct is we get clarity of His will. So, so often, right, what do we do if we're honest? The first thing I want from God is clarity. I want knowledge. I want an answer. I want advice. So I go to Him in prayer. And I think so often we miss what it is God wants for us because we didn't prioritize worship. And if we go in with worship, we position ourselves to experience everything Jesus is. And then, based on that, we now understand we're more in tune with who He is. And now we understand exactly what it is that He wants us to do. 
So worship is the beginning. Understanding and living towards the will of God is the end. We have to start with worship. Even in prayer, we start with worship. Uh, with this text, one of the things we're going to teach in our basic training, which is our membership course, is using this text to, to create a, a model for prayer that's very simple, and it goes like this. He is worthy, and I am needy. And if you just put your prayer life in those two categories, you look at this, that's exactly how Matthew 6 plays out. He's worthy, I'm needy. He's worthy, I'm needy. He's worthy, I am needy. God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, I need all this help. Would you come help me out? I am needy. So that's a simple way. You're like, Nate, I don't know what to do when I leave from here to go pray. I don't know how to start. I get what you're saying. Well, just do that. He is worthy and just express his worthiness. And then I am needy. Hey, hey God, this is what I need. And if you do those two things, your prayer life will begin to take off. So the first one, the pathway to presence. This is super important. It's like God's hanging out, you know, a little dangling, an ice cream cone. And he's just begging us, say, hey, go get the ice cream cone. If you pray, you will experience more of Jesus. And so we got to see prayer more like that. Something that we get is access. It's a ticket to something valuable, to something that we treasure. The second thing that we learn here that we want to talk about today is the power of persistence. We're going to use a lot of scripture for this. I don't have much to say outside of the scriptures. And so I want to show you all the ways the Bible prioritizes being persistent. It wears people down. You, you think about those of you here in the room who are parents, right? And your kids, uh, well, man, I, it's just like, hey, can we do that? Hey, can we do that? Hey, can we do this? Hey, do that, do this, do that. Can I play with that? Can I play with that? Can I play with that? You know, you're like, no, 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 no. Okay, yes. <laughs> you're like, I'm so tired. Of I don't even know what to do. You're going to ask me a thousand more questions. It's just, yes, whatever you want to do. Go grab the knives. Go grab it. Whatever it is you want to do, just do it. You know, our oldest is super in to cutting things with a saw, hammering things with a nail, drilling things in, uh, and using a pocket knife to carve his name out in wood. These are things that he finds, and playing with matches. Okay, that was the other one. These are his four things he really likes to do. And it's like, you can't do that without supervision, all right? Like, you can't, and he thinks he can, and he would definitely try it. I'm like, you can't. Oh, the other thing was, he'll take the pruners, you know, the big clippers. And I have a bunch of other little kids, too, you know, so I'm just like, one more wrong thing, and we lose a finger. So he has all these things, and he's super into that right now. All he wants to do is use these dangerous tools. And I'm like, man, that requires supervision. He's like, will you come do it with me? Will you come do it with me? I'm like, nah, just, you know, sometimes you just like, I just don't want to, man. Can I just sit down? Like, I'm sorry, I feel like a bad dad. I just kind of, that's why I say amen to that. Can I just sit down? Please, Jesus, just, I just want to sit down. I just want to sit down. Do something else, you know? He's like, two, hey, well, it's like, no, not right now. Two minutes later, can I do it now? Literally, one minute, no, not right now. I just don't feel like it, man. Can I do it now? No, what did I just say? I just said I didn't feel like it. Like, just give me a break. I love you, man. I'll definitely do this with you. Just give me a break. Three more minutes. Yo, can we do it now? I'm not sure. Whatever, man. Let's just do it. Yeah, let's go out. Bang, bang, bang. Cut, cut, cut. Yeah, we happy now? Everybody's good. The power of persistence. And God gives us many examples that are literally the same. It's kind of funny when you think about how God works. You can't wear God down, but he's going to give us examples that teaches us to try. And he says, if you will be persistent, you will get results. The power of prayer is often dependent upon the persistence of people. This is so important. The power in prayer is dependent on the persistence of people, even though we know God is great, and he'll do whatever he wants to do. He is sovereign over all things. God alone has power. He's not sitting there just begging us to pray the right prayer so he can do what he should do. He's not doing that. 
But at the same time, he's taught us, and that's why I'm going to use so much scripture, over and over and over again. He says, if you'll keep doing it, you have a better shot of getting it. You have a better shot of me hearing you and responding in the way that you're asking. So the power of persistence. If we want to make a difference in this community, we must be persistent in our prayers for this community. We must be persistent in our prayers for our neighborhood. We must be persistent. So Colossians 4, 2, we always saw this. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful and thankful. So steadfastly, continue. Now I'm going to give you a couple examples of this teaching in the New Testament. The first is Jesus himself prioritized persistence in his teaching on prayer. So look at Luke 11. I'm just going to have it on the screen. I'm going to read through the story. You can title this the persistent friend. He said to them, Jesus, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, hey, don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. Amen. I cannot get up and give you anything. He's like, I'm tired. My kids are finally asleep. Do not wake them up. I will kill you. This is what he is saying. It's like when somebody texts you at like 11, 11 and asks for something, and they're like, are you asleep? And you're like, yeah, I am asleep. I'm not, I'm not answering that right now. So this is our modern-day version of this. And I tell you, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find um, this verse day. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, he doesn't want to be nice, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So the guy annoyed him so much that he gave in. This is the principle of the story. And then Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, gives him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see what God is saying here? Bother me. Annoy me. Now, God can't get annoyed, okay? But this is the principle. He's saying, annoy me. Come after me. Let's go. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Just don't worry about it. Be impudent. Keep coming. Keep coming. And some of you right now need to hear that for your own life. You've given up. And God says, keep pressing. Keep coming. Keep praying. Just because you don't see it now doesn't mean it's not coming. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Another example from Jesus, the persistent widow, Luke 18. So you have the persistent friend, you have the persistent widow. Jesus gives another story. I'm going to read it because I think it's super important. He told them a parable. Look at this. Why? Why did he give this parable? That they are always to pray and not lose heart. I wish every single one of Jesus' parables were set up with a sentence like that. You'd be like, I know what you're talking about. Half the time, you're like, I have no idea what you just said. And I'm just going to go read somebody else tell me something about it. Number two, he says, he said in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, give me justice against my adversary. And even though he refused, he said afterwards, though I don't fear God or respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, let me play with it, let me play with it, let me play with it. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. So they get this. She will not beat me down by her continual coming. He's like, I'm just worn out. I don't care about justice. I don't care about these people. I care about myself, and I'm tired, and I need this to stop. So get whatever you want. This is the example of the story. And then the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Now here's the question. I tell you, 
He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know why he closes it like that? He says, will he find the kind of faith that keeps praying when they don't see results yet? The kind of faith that really believes in God. The kind of faith that believes that God's my greatest treasure anyway. So if I don't get what I ask for, I still get more of God. So I'm going to keep praying. The kind of faith that says, the Lord has told me to pray. I'm going to keep praying. I believe that when God says, pray and don't lose heart, I ought to pray and not lose heart. I believe, based off faith, that when God says, you can bother me into answering your prayer, when he gives examples that say, you can persist so much that I will relinquish and I will give in and answer your prayer. When God says these things, I believe them to be true. I act in faith. Even when my eyes can't see what I hope to happen, my mind, my heart, my soul can see it through the eyes of faith. And so I pray with faith. And God says, will he find this kind of faith? And the question is, does he find this kind of faith in our church? Does he find this kind of faith in my own heart? The kind of faith that doesn't give up. And some of you, like I just said, are in this position where God's just encouraging you now to say, I know you're not seeing what you wanted to see. And I know it's hard and it's actually getting worse. You've been praying and you're going backwards. And the sickness is getting worse or the plans are getting worse and your future is falling apart and the relationship has gotten worse. You keep praying and it actually seems to be doing the opposite of working. And God says, no, look at me. Don't look at your situation. Have faith. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. So Jesus taught persistence matters. Number two, Paul, he taught that persistence matters. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18 says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing. Persist. Keep going. Let's not give up. I love how, if you'll see this throughout the scriptures, there will be often a connection between prayer and thanksgiving. And being prayerful and being thankful are hand in hand. And I think the reason for that is because the priority of prayer is worship. So the primary reason I pray is to express my love and thankfulness to God. It's connected. And if I pray without thanksgiving, my prayers will have lack of power. They'll get boring, they'll get stale, and they'll get old. But if I pray with a thankful heart, God's going to intervene in that moment. Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He says, keep alert, stay awake. It's the same thing in Colossians 4.2. Stay alert, keep your mind focused. Remember last week we talked about with Martha, don't get distracted. Keep your focus, laser on the Lord. Stay with Him, look to Him. This is the same thing He's telling us here. Stay focused, stay alert. And I think so often, because of the amount of things we have to escape from the world, we lose our focus. And uh, our lack of prayers are, is, a, is a symptom of the fact that we've lost the ability to focus. And God says, by the power of my Spirit, renew your focus. Finally, the last one here, the power of persistence. I love it. So Jesus taught about it. Paul taught about it. I just want you to see over and over again, the scripture says, God is sovereign, but you need to keep praying. And the more you pray, the more results you get. It's just plain. It's right there. Number three, the power of persistence is available to all who follow Christ. So there's many of you who are going to say, that kind of prayer life is for super Christians. That kind of prayer life is for like pastors and stuff. That kind of prayer life is for someone else but me. Making that kind of difference through prayers for someone else. And I want you to hear this verse. I love this, James 5, 16 through 17. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Get this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Stop. So before we say, yo, those people in the Bible had something special. That guy, I could, I could never, that's a cool story, but I could never go that. What does he do? He fights that from the beginning. He says, Elijah was a man just like you. Elijah had a sinful nature just like you. Elijah had doubts just like you. Elijah made bad decisions just like you. Elijah didn't have faith all the time just like you. Just like me. Elijah was a man just like us. But what? He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it didn't rain. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. She loved this. Elijah, who literally made the rain stop. That's exactly what we would say. That's cool for there, not me. And he's knowing that's going to happen. And he says, no, get away with that excuse. This is for you. Elijah was a man just like you. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You have just as much access to power as anybody else you would think. As someone you would call a super Christian, you have access to power. Pray fervently. It says he was a man like us, but he didn't pray like us. I think that's the difference. He was a man like us, but he didn't pray like us. And some of you are legit prayer warriors in this room. We all need to learn from you. I think most of us would fall in this category that fervent prayer is very difficult. And he says here, he was a man just like us, so he cannot use that excuse that those are for special times, those kind of prayers that can stop the rain are for the Bible, those kind of prayers are for very special super-Christians. God says, no, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have his Holy Spirit, Elijah was a man just like you. Just like you, just like me. But he was persistent. And so the other day I was, uh, I, I saw this, actually I put this on my Instagram, if some of you uh, uh, noticed this, you know, I last week confessed that I was getting into Instagram, I have waited many years on that. Uh, and so I posted an Instagram story, I actually should show you, I was like, supposed to be watching my kids, and I was posting on an Instagram story, and my wife took a picture of my kids running around, me looking at my phone, posting a story that she was watching me post, and she took a picture, and she was like, how about you Instafluence your kids, you know, that's what she put in the text. All right, man, hold up. And so I was doing that, but my kids put together this strawberry water with carrots, uh, like bottle, the big can of water. Okay, so all of a sudden they get this idea that they want to go make a lemonade stand. We didn't have lemonade. So they're very entrepreneurial or whatever, and he gets this big, you know, mason jar thing with the tap, and he fills it up with water. He brings a little kid table out to the front, and he puts it on top. And then he's like, what can I put in this to make it taste better? And he's like, strawberries, okay. So they run in, the other kids are with him now, all the kids. They run in, they get more uh, stuff, they get strawberries, and he's like, I need something else. What other fruit do we have? And he goes in and he gets carrots. <laughs> like, yeah, carrots, you know, orange and red. I'm like, yeah, that's great, man. Uh, and so they open the top, they put strawberries and carrots in the water, and then they put it on this little stand, and they start yelling at everybody in the neighborhood, free water for 25 cents. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Sure, whatever, you know. Free water, 25 cents. Free water, 25 cents. Free water, 25 cents. And people are, like, dropping by, like, you know, looking over. And you can see the water is just, like, gross. You know, it looks terrible. The carrots and strawberries in it. And they are going after it. Free water, 25 cents. Free water, 25 They're, like, yelling and screaming at people. They're running after them. Uh, they are very persistent. And eventually, they get somebody to stop. And this lady pulls up. She's like, what are you doing? More like uh, selling strawberry water. She's <laughs> like, how much does it cost? I don't know. What are you, 25 cents? 25 cents. 25 cents. That's what it said. 25 cents. She's like, I'll take three of them. 
and she gave them three quarters, and I'm telling you, it was like they just won a million dollars. They were so excited. They ran in the house, yeah, we made money, starting her own business. Eventually, he thinks, okay, this is great. I'm going to get some sweet tea in another jar. I'm going to sell two things, okay, sweet tea and strawberry water. So he gets the sweet tea. He brings it out. And they had one win, but now they're getting rejected again a lot. They're not handling their rejection very well. They're pouting, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're saying mean things about me. You know, like they, they're learning, they're growing in their sanctification. Uh, they need the Holy Spirit really badly, just like me and you. And they're very upset. But they keep yelling. I mean, everybody walking by with dogs, eventually I'm like, Jalen, you have, like, if they say no, no means no. You know, at this point, like, just let it go. People are walking with their dogs. You know, one time is cool. After that, you're probably bothering them. And so we want to be kind to our neighbors. We don't want our neighbors to hate us. He's like, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Free water, 25 You know, you come over here and you look at And they're seriously all going nuts. Like they have no like social awareness of the fact that you shouldn't be doing certain things to this level. And they're just persisting, 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 persisting. Well, eventually, because they persist, they get another guy to stop. He stops and he gives them a dollar bill. A dollar bill. A bill, y'all. He gives them a whole dollar bill, and he gives it to them. He's like, "Yo, what did you got?" And they're like, "Yeah, sweet tea and strawberry water." And I showed him. I was like, "Sweet tea, sweet tea." Nothing else in it, just sweet tea. It's like, all right, man. And he gets it, and they take the dollar. Now they've made a dollar and seventy-five cents. And now they begin to believe that if they keep asking, people will eventually respond. And this is the truth I want you to see from the scriptures. Jesus tells us to be like those kids, to persist to the point of annoyance, to persist to the point of bothering, to be unabandoned, unashamed, going after it, saying, Lord, please do this, do that. Come on, you got to move. You have to do this. You have to do that. I won't stop. Free water, 25 cents. Free water, 25 cents. I'm not going to stop saying that over and over again, Lord, until you drive that car up and stop in front of my house and give the thing that I've been asking. Or at least respond in a way that I that is good and appropriate for the situation. Just persistence, 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 persistence. And so I want to introduce what we're going to call uh, the blessing room, which is a prayer room. And we're going to do it every Sunday from 9 to 11. So pre-service and then some during the service and during the sermon. And uh, a couple things we have going on so that we can develop a culture of prayer is this first one. And we got these cards when you came in. This is cool. It's from a website. Uh, I think it's Bless Every Home. And they basically, through demographic studies, have uh, information of all the people that live in your city. It's open out there. Okay, we're not being creepy or stalking anybody. This is public information. Uh, they use, uh, this is a, a certified nonprofit that does this. Uh, and so you can go online, say where you are, and you can print out names of people in your city uh, based off where you live. And so each one of you should have a card with ten names on it that you can begin praying for. And I just know, I know, that if we begin praying for all these names, they're going to start showing up in the places where we are. You're going to meet them at the grocery store. We're going to see them at church or at service. So take this, keep it, put it in your Bible. I don't care if you don't know any of them. That's the point. Start praying for these names. These represent people in our city that who knows if they know Jesus or have any connection to church. We're also going to have these in our prayer room, which is in the back right. If you walk down the lobby and take a left, we're going to have a room every Sunday from 9 to 11 dedicated to prayer. So if you want to skip the service and pray for the sermon, pray for our time. If you want to show up early and instead of stacking chairs, go pray. We'll have these in there. We really believe that this is the best way we can bless our city is by asking for God to intervene. So grab one of these. 
Join us in the prayer room. We hope to eventually start a Thursday night prayer and worship service where we focus and prioritize prayer and we give more time to it than we can in certain settings. So those are some of our goals as we build this. And as we close out, I want to remind you of one simple truth from Romans 8.32. This is so great. It says, if God did not spare his own son, how much more would he graciously give us all things? So when you're in the middle of trying to leave from here and develop a prayer life, you get frustrated, upset, or you're sitting in the audience where I don't even know God, much less prayer or any of those other things that you're talking about. The first and most basic thing for all of us is to remember and to look back on what God has done in sending Jesus. God sends Jesus to live a life we can never live, die the death we deserve, be raised again from the dead. And then he says, if I would not withhold salvation and Jesus from you, why would you think I would withhold something good now? This is how you always stay rooted in the gospel is to say, I don't see it and it doesn't look good. But when I look back, God gave me Jesus. So he's not going to leave me out now. God gave me Jesus. So he's not going to not give me something good now. God gave me Jesus. So he's going to give me exactly what I need now. And that's how you move forward constantly is by looking back. And for some of you today, today for you to receive Jesus, to put your trust and faith in him. And begin to relate to God and have access to God through what Jesus has done for you. Let me pray for us together. And then we're going to take a moment to really respond. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this time in your word. We're thankful for your presence with us. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful, God, for all you have done. Lord, we want to be a people who prioritize prayer. We want to love you. We want to see a difference made in this community because we pray, Lord. We just ask that you would really do something significant through prayer. And as we respond to you now, would you cultivate in each of us a life of prayer? God, show us how good it is to be with you. Raise our desire to be in your presence. I pray that we would feel inadequate apart from praying, that we would never rely on our skill sets, resources, or, or any of those things that make a difference in the world around us. So, Lord, we want to build this by prayer. We want to follow you with persistent prayer. And we are weak and needy. We need your help. So, Lord, we ask for that. We love you. We thank you that you're patient and kind with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.